what I thought was winning in my first six and a half years uh, is different from what I think today. What I thought winning in my first six years was how much money I was making, how many clients were happy. At any cost, all I wanted was my clients to be happy and me to be successful financially. What has changed in the last year and a half is time. Hey, investors, you are listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Hello, investor community. Today, I hung out with Royce Finley, a local realtor here in Winnipeg that's been absolutely killing it for the last eight years. Our conversation today was centered around the concept of customer service versus customer experience. Royce is a guy who loves systems and processes, and I know the business owners out there will really get a lot out of this podcast. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of having Royce Finley, local realtor here in Winnipeg, on my as a guest. Royce, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, before we get into uh, our, our conversation and our topic today, I thought I'd just get the listeners to uh, find out a little bit about you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your story, maybe your background? Yeah, I, uh, I've uh, been a realtor in Winnipeg since I was uh, 28. So eight years, I'm 36 now. I have a beautiful little daughter, Emery. She's three. Yeah, real estate has been an, an, interesting, uh, an interesting line of work. You know, since 2015, the market's kind of done a lot of ups and downs, and so lots of learning. And um, no, it's been it's been great uh, having to uh, to deal with the different types of markets over the last uh, eight years. And um, and uh, so a little bit about before I was a realtor, I uh, I uh, worked at Kildonan Tree Service for my uncle, uh, doing a pesticide or managing his pesticide division. So he kind of left me to to run that part of the company, and he's like, "I'll pay you twenty percent of everything the company does on that division. You just run the whole thing." So you know, I was eighteen years old. He kind of left it in my hands. I felt like I was a business owner because I'm making twenty percent of everything that I that I do, and it was just me kind of running that part of the company. So really early on, he kind of was my father figure and kind of uh, you know kept me in that business mind, uh, which was really good, but it was only uh, six months out of the year. So I always had to figure out what I wanted to do with the other six months. And, you know, it was hard when you're, when you're young, you don't really know what path you want to go on. You, you know, I, when I was young, I always wanted to be a business owner, but you know, you try these different things and you fail and then you do good and then you fail. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a lot of learning, but uh, I finally found my groove at 28 and, and became a real estate agent. And here we are today. Interesting. So 
from tree and pest control into real estate. What, uh, I mean, clearly real estate and being a realtor is a business in and of itself. So it's interesting that you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Why real estate? Like, why did you choose that? Well, I actually, uh, I don't know if I actually chose it. So, you know, that time when I'm working six months out of the year, I, I bought a house when I was 20. And the realtor I used at that time, I met again when I was 27 or so. And I was like, I want to get into this investment. So I'm going to buy a duplex, right? So I met her at Starbucks here on Henderson Highway. And and I sat with her again. And she's like, you'd be a really good real estate agent. And at that point in my time, I was like, I'm sick of running this pesticide division. You know, I'm nothing at 27 years old. I need to do something. So I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, you should do it. That was in September of 2014. So October 1st came. I quit. The end of the season was there. Told my uncle, I'm not going to come back next year. I'm going to become a real estate agent. Uh, by January 12th, I was a realtor. January 13th, I had my first listing. And uh, I haven't looked back from that point. Wow. Just hustle and grind, eh? Just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I know that uh, you're not uh, a single realtor anymore. You have a bunch of people that support you. What does your team look like today? Uh, well, the team has definitely evolved over the last eight years. When I first got into it uh, in 2015, I came right out of the gate, you know, doing a, quite a bit of business. In the first year, I did about 56 transactions. And in the 11 months, I was like, I can't keep up to this without having some support. Um, and I always, because I had such a service background with dealing with the pesticide stuff at Cologne Tree Service, I was like, how do I give a better service uh, within real estate? So uh, within 11 months, I hired an assistant. Within the first two years, I had another agent with me. And then uh, now today, we have me and three uh, associates, uh, Nancy, Stacy, and Roz, and uh, two assistants, my executive assistant, Sarah, who is, uh, she is my right hand. There's always that one, that one person that you just really have to, that's, you know, your support. Uh, you couldn't do it without, and that would be uh, definitely Sarah. And then uh, now we're onboarding a, uh, I guess, remote employee. And that was, uh, that all came from a conversation with my friend Garrett, which is you. Yeah, well, this is, uh, well, this is, you know, a podcast, not only about real estate, but business, property management, whatever comes in. And yeah, um, for the listeners, Royce and I were just speaking at a Starbucks. And he found out that I use a lot of remote employees in my property management business to great success. So I kind of gave him some tips on how to find his first one. And he's just going through those uh, initial stages. Yeah, we're really excited. We met uh, Isaac. He's uh, just out of Mexico City. And uh, he's highly educated in digital marketing, social media marketing. Very personal, has very good English, spells well in English as well, which is great. Uh, he probably speaks even better than I do, which is, uh, which is also a benefit. But uh, you know, English is my first language, and I swear he's uh, he's better at it than me. And then, uh, so we're onboarding him uh, coming up in the next week or so. So we're looking forward to it. Excellent. No, we could probably devote a whole podcast to remote employees and how to be successful in the failures. But um, I just want to I want to backtrack a little bit. Did I hear you correctly? You did over fifty ends your first year. Yeah, I did fifty six my first year. Yeah, by myself, it was uh, it was a lot. So. I mean, I know that there's going to be uh, realtors and, and new realtors that are listening to this podcast eventually. 
I mean, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, but I mean, that that's, that's incredible. I mean, w- was it a networking thing? Like how, how did you, how did you do that? Good question. I, I didn't really know that answer for a couple of years. Um, but when I first started, I, I always thought of how to give back. I know Winnipeg is, I, I'm not going to say cheap, but a frugal, uh, frugal town. Uh, so I would agree. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. So I was thinking to myself, like, how do I give back? Um, and at that time, uh, and I actually owned it, I sold it two years ago, but I had a, a fertilizer and weed control company. So we sprayed people's lawn. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to still own this company while I become a realtor. And then maybe we can give people free fertilizer weed control when they buy or sell with me. You know, it's, I own the company. It's cheaper for me to do it. It gives added value. So what I did is I hired an employee because I was running it before I started being a real estate agent. I uh, hired an employee and he did the business. And then anytime I bought or sold, I gave someone a free year of fertilizer and weed control. And at that time, I also needed another truck because my personal truck I was using to sell real estate. Uh, so I bought a big moving van. And this van did this fertilizer and weed control three times a year. And then every other time, uh, it was a free moving van for my clients. So I not only gave them a free fertilizer weed control, I gave them a free cargo van or this big moving van. And my mom owned a cleaning service at the time. So I also cleaned their houses when they bought or sold for me. So I gave them three things back when they bought or sold with me. I still do two of them as of today. Um, I still have the moving van, which doesn't do fertilizer and weed control anymore because I sold that company. Uh, but the moving van's here at my office. People get to use it when they buy or sell with me. It's just kind of giving back a little bit. Just giving a good service. Being, uh, you got to have communication. You got to, people just want to hear from you. So, you know, at that time, 2015, the market was a little softer. Um, and, you know, you list a house and it doesn't sell in two weeks and doesn't sell in three weeks and five weeks and six weeks. All they want to do is hear from you. Uh, so today, um, it's a Friday, we're recording this and I have a follow-up Friday. Every Friday, I block off an hour. I call all of the listings that I have. Hey, you know, it's another week. We had only two showings. Uh, I sent you a marketing report a couple days ago. You know, we're doing everything we can to get this place sold, but I just want you to know that I'm, you know, I'm still here and I'm not gone anywhere. And just, just reassuring them that you're still there. Uh, and it's worked so well for, for me over the years. Just doing what you say and saying what you do or the cliche, uh, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but it is, uh, it's, it's really true. Yeah, no, I, um, you and I, you know, we haven't known each other that long other than um, some Starbucks conversations, but I, I feel like we connected on that, that whole customer service versus customer experience component where, you know, I believe there's a difference. Customer service is kind of reacting to that problem and solving it more like IT tech support. But customer experience is really taking charge of that entire customer journey from, you know, when the customer chooses you and your services, but, you know, well after the service is complete, that they're so happy with you that they automatically become a cheerleader for your brand and start marketing for you. How have you taken that philosophy and used it with your team? Uh, Systems. Uh, You know, when you're doing the kind of volume, and even if you're not doing that kind of volume, you can't remember everything. Like to, to think that you're going to remember to follow up, uh, you know, possessions today, December 15th or 16th, and you know, to follow up in a week and to follow up in a month, you're going to forget. There's, there's so many things that are going on in your, your personal life and your business life. Uh, but if you create a system that reminds you 
follow up and 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 creating operating systems and and really stick to them i think is is crucial to any successful business you know if i got hit by a bus today uh, i would hope my team could continue those those systems and move on so if if someone's sick or someone you know you you someone decides to go in a different direction you should be able to onboard people very seamlessly if you have great operating systems and you follow them and you believe in them yeah no we do the same thing here and uh, i mean i've i've tried to be that guy that tries to just you know try to delegate or micromanage or try to control everything and it just as soon as you start scaling it it everything falls apart and like you said when you're sick nothing happens or you rely on that superstar employee like you're talking about which is great, but people may or may not stick around. And if you don't have a system to back it up, everything leaves with that person in their head, right? So Royce, hearing you speak about your passion for serving your clients, it's clear you value communications. Are you purposeful about the amount of communication your team has had with your clients and and how? Yeah, I mean, you, you you just have to do it. You know, there's, there's so many times that I, Friday comes and I, you know, houses haven't sold or, you know, the, you know, the client's not going to be the most thrilled that the house still hasn't sold, but you just have to make those tough conversations. You just have to have them. So, you know, I, I try and continually be on my team to stay in contact with their clients and, and not be anxious about the conversation that they're going to have to have. And just be honest. I mean, we have a, a great marketing team here and we're doing the best job I think we can do. So if you're confident in that, no one else is going to do a better job. So just be confident that that we'll get it done. And and if if it's not a price, it's a patience thing. So, you know, we'll just continue to work at it and and and, and just get it done. Yeah, interesting you say that because I struggle with the same same thing with my my employees. You know, I, I think people are afraid to pick up the phone nowadays, and maybe that's our culture. They want to do a text message, they want to do an email, but there's nothing that placates a client better than a, a quick phone call. Like you talk about follow up Fridays. What interests me is is that that word you said, confidence. I think a client because they know their house best, they know the market as as well as anybody. And they're, and they're in it. They're in it emotionally. They're thinking about it every single second of every single day. How do you train confidence in your, in your team? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think trading confidence is, is, is a very difficult thing to train. But I think if, if you as a leader have confidence in your employees and what you've in your operating systems, your confidence as a leader will rub off on your team. It will. They'll 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 feel it. They'll they're looking to you for as their leader. So you you give them that confidence to be able to uh to have that conversation and that everything will be okay. And if something were to go sideways, we'll work on it together. We'll we'll get through it. Uh you know, the world isn't ending. Uh it might not feel good inside, but you know, we're in a we're in a tough industry sometimes and and you just gotta you know, roll with the punches and, you know, we'll get through it together. Yeah. The, the market definitely, I mean, in our current time of this recording, it's fluctuating like crazy, um, as you know, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, we do the same thing, you know, very parallel in property management. You have a client who 
is wondering why their property hasn't rented, very similar to why a property hasn't sold. And what we try to do is ensure that we've done everything that we're supposed to do. You know, the marketing photos are good, the virtual tours, the ad copy looks good. You know, there aren't any mistakes and we haven't forgotten to put it on any internet sites that we promised to. And with everything being equal, then it's like you said, it's either a price or a waiting game, right? And you have to speak to that with the client and make, let them make informed decisions. I think competence is another one, right? So you can be confident, which some people, depending how confident you, you are, could come off as arrogant or, or cocky. Yeah, uh, but then there's, right. But then there's that competence that you really know what you're talking about, uh, that you're confident that your team is, is, you know, your backend systems, the marketing, the photos, like you said, all that stuff is done properly. And, and it just becomes a, a patience or, or, you know, a price thing. But you have to have competence, confidence and competence. Yeah, two C's. Yeah, we'll have to uh, have to market that. Awesome. So let, let's unpack that customer experience aspect again. I really want to focus on that. What does the... Like you're talking about sort of the journey to, you know, the little issues, trying to get a listing sold. What does the end or delivery of the product look like? Like, do you do anything special? Do I do anything special? Um, I think right from the get-go, I, I kind of show people in a listing appointment when I'm sitting there is having the confidence and the competence, um, but also showing them exactly what we do, letting them almost hold you accountable and saying, you know what, if you, if you're not happy throughout the time or you don't see it where I've told you this is being marketed and you don't see it, call me out on it. Cause I promise you we're going to get it done. It's, it's going to be where I've told you it's going to be. We're going to be marketing it. This is our strategy. And then once it sells, it's just, again, it's communication. It's, it's getting the bank their offer. It's getting the lawyer their offer. It's a week before possession, giving them a checklist of what things to check on before either they lose the house to the buyer or the buyer's taking possession. To do a walkthrough of the house, to be able to make sure all the mechanical systems, including heating, cooling, electrical, and plumbing are in working order. So that day on possession, I don't want to have another realtor calling me saying, oh, the seat the link, uh, sink is leaking, you know, the furnaces and blowing hot air. I don't want to have to deal with any of that. I want that house to be great for the buyers when they come in, even if they aren't my client. And then just again, giving that seller or buyer confidence that they'd made the right decision. And then of course, you know, giving them the moving van or getting the house clean before that buyer takes possession, you know, them having that moving van, which also has you know, my, my face plastered on the side. So it's, it's good for the neighbors. Uh, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll see, obviously see the realtor that they used because I have this huge moving van with my team on the side of it. Yeah. That's just, you know, making them feel like you're almost a friend or, or a family that you really care about, um, you know, care about them and care that they, that they and happy that they used you. If I sort of translate what, what I interpret that to mean is, your finish line is not the property sold. Your finish line is not, okay, great. They, you know, your buyer found a house. Your finish line is just completely blowing them away with your service until they're just ready to refer you to somebody else. Well, and the thing is, is I think you have to follow up after possession too. So, you know, you always, you know, most realtors are going to know that they should follow up with their clients on possession date or go see the house, do a walkthrough with them. But that's not the end of it. You know, a week later, Hey, how's the move gone? How's everything going? Uh, do you have any other questions? 
And then, um, you know, a month later, and then now you have all their information. You should figure out their birthdays because you have their identification, wishing them a happy birthday, sending anniversary letters, sending them a Christmas card, and just keeping in touch with them. Because if they're happy, uh, they're your number one cheerleader, just like you said. You know, getting a Google review out of them, as as we all know, Google reviews do help. Uh, you know, people are going to look for a service. They're always going to Google you and see, you know, if you have any good or bad reviews. So, you know, we take a lot of pride in in just giving a good service. However, to any realtors that are listening, giving a good service by yourself is extremely difficult. And I learned that very early on. And that's why I got an assistant within 11 months. It is really difficult to do these things by yourself. Having help, having systems is, is, is crucial because you can't do it all on your own. It's really difficult. Well, you said all of those touch points, you know, one week, two weeks, one month. I mean, is all of that systematized in your processes? Both. So possession day is not. I think you should be picking up the phone call or the phone and or going to the house and making sure they're okay because you're their real estate agent. After that, it is a systemized thing. So we did have another assistant that is not with us anymore, but Isaac from Mexico is the marketing and client care coordinator. So he will be a week later emailing a personal email, just asking how the possession went. And then a month later, it'll be him. And then of course, obviously birthdays and Christmas is a little more systemized. However, I do still drop off gifts, uh, which I'm doing right now and is taking a lot of time. No, but I mean, I guess... um... My point is you have these things diarized, they're already set in stone, whether it's client A, client B, client L, or client Z, it's the same process every single time consistently. And that's that's the success. That's the magic formula. Well, I think some people always keep those clients or 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 pick certain clients based on maybe their how they did and you know how their relationship went through the buying or selling process or the, maybe even the value of the house. I don't think the value of the house or the relationships you had, unless they hate you, <laughs> really matters. Uh, everyone should be treated the exact same, whether they're selling a $150,000 house or whether they're selling a million-dollar house. Proportionally, it, it's the same value to them because you know they, they might not be as successful as the million-dollar seller or homeowner, that house that's 150 grand is still just as valuable to them in their life. And it's a huge purchase for them. And I just, I, I think everyone should be just treated. You know, it's just give the same system to everyone. It doesn't matter whether they have a hundred thousand dollar house or a million dollar house. Yeah. Uh, I know the audience can't see me smiling here because this is an audio podcast, but um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times, I have a property management client that says, well, I know I only have one house, but dot, 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 right? And we treat everybody the same way. I don't care whether you have one house or 10, you still have the same questions. You still deserve to get an answer very quickly. It's it's the same thing. It shouldn't matter. And it doesn't. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that's in with 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 life. I knew, I mean, we, me and you have talked a couple of times and we both love to travel. Maybe that has a little bit to do with it because we, you know, we go to developing type of countries or I, I love going to developing countries and you really just, you really get, doesn't matter whether you're black, white, yellow, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, everyone should be on the same playing field and, and, and feel and have respect for each other. 
and that's and it's just uh, that's how I like to approach a lot of things in, in life. Yeah, no, it's the same thing with with housing. I mean, we rent to everybody. We you know we screen everybody with the same same screening criteria. Paint everybody with the same brush. It doesn't matter, you know. Did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands-off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now, back to the show. I wanted to uh, ask you another question here because you know it's it's pretty competitive being a realtor these days. I, I mean, how many how many realtors are there in Winnipeg right now? To your over two thousand. It's over two thousand. Interesting, because when I was a realtor back in, oh geez, I'm dating myself, but oh seven oh eight, I think there was maybe sixteen seventeen hundred. Mm-hmm. So you know that continues to grow. How do you stand out over your competition? You know, to be top of mind with your clients once that transaction's been completed. Well, those touch points are definitely a huge point. You got to stay on top of their mind because honestly, the amount of times that I, you know, someone bought a house in 2012 and then I look back on the history and they're, and you know, they want to sell with me and I'm like, oh, who was your realtor then? And they have no idea. They don't remember. If you touch them four times a year, they'll remember you. You know, they will. And it's, it's not cheap. My broker will always use this line and kind of make fun of me because I've been saying it since I became a realtor and it's really cliche, but you got to make money to spend money or sorry, that was backwards. You got to spend money to make money. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, and I've been saying it ever since I first started, it's, you got to spend it. You you really do. And you have to spend it in the right ways because you could spend money in in some bad ways and and not see a return. So you, uh, you just, you, you got to spend it in the right ways and, um, you know, every client that you have shouldn't be a one-time client. They should, there should be residual business for years after that. Still today, eight years later, I'm still getting referrals and dealing with people that I met in year one and sold a house in year one, eight years later. And that should go on for the rest of your career if you do it properly. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, our, our motto here at Upper Edge is we manage relationships, not properties, right? And, and that's what you're talking about. It's a person-to-person business. You're, you're putting everything into that relationship because if you foster that relationship, it, it continues on well past the transaction. 
So um, let's talk about teams. I have a, a, a large team. You've got a, a, a team and you, you know, onboarding a new team member. And I've also seen on social media, you've done some pretty crazy, crazy things out there. And, and I see like team photos in there. Uh, how do you inspire your team? What's the glue that keeps your team functioning? The glue that keeps the team functioning. When I hired Roz Matos, she really, you know, I was always a relation type relationship type uh, realtor uh, and not a transactional type realtor, but she kind of, she's that, that person that's like gives gifts, wants some reassurance, you know, just wants to feel a part of something. And I, I was just, my head was down working all the time and she's really kind of enlightened me that I need to be a little more softer in the sense of, of, you know, making people feel like they're they're part of this team making them feel involved uh asking them what they think of your idea you know so many team leaders will be this is what i'm doing and this is how you're going to have to adjust and that's it and you know i i came to the point where having their opinion and making them feel like they're a part of this team and they're a partner in this team so you know a lot of people have them as a sales associate with Royce Finley and Associates. I have them as a partner. So on everything they market, they're a partner. They're my partner. Just because my name is on the title doesn't mean that they're not just as involved as I am. So if you can make that within the decision making, now ultimately it's going to be your decision at the end. You're the team leader or the boss or whatever it is that you're that you're leading. It, you you sh- you should get their opinion and, and and value it and make them feel involved. And I think that's a really crucial piece to making people want to stay. So that's on that front. And I guess on the real estate front, it, you, you got to give some leads at the end of the day, right? Because that's, that's really why, why they joined you is for the systems, the camarader- camaraderie and, and getting some leads, right? So, uh, you know, I work mine a little bit different uh, than maybe some teams, but you know, they get, they get a lot of leads to chase and, and we do a lot of marketing to try and generate those leads. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things as a real estate agent is just lead generation. You got to put money into that and, uh, and just do the right things, which is spend a little bit of money. Like there's some realtors that are uh, in my office here that, you know, they've been five, six years. They don't even have a website. You got to have a website. Like, I mean, that's basic stuff, right? So, you know, there's, sometimes in this in this industry there's sales people which are real estate agents and then there's business men and women that are also real estate agents but they have the business mind and those really successful real estate agents and teams have the business mind and they're not just sales people right so they're building businesses not a transactional type of relationship like you said right you know um I think as leaders, it's really important to have a vision um, and, and know where you're going. I mean, otherwise, the ship is just turning all over the place. You know, you can go from point A to point B, but if you're going zigzagging all over the place, you're, it's going to take forever to get there. Do you, I mean, obviously you have a vision. Do you, do you share that with the team to inspire them? I mean, is that kind of the magic formula? Yeah, you know, we have, we have uh, goals every, uh, every month. We have a vision. We, at this time of year, in my opinion, realtors should be putting out their goals for marketing for the year. 
And that's marketing goals, that's income goals, whatever that is, transactional goals. Um, but having a goal strives you to want to reach that. If you're just out there spending money, making money, selling houses, you have no purpose. <laughs> you're just you're you're making money, spending it, and just going about your day. And you have no structure, and you have to have structure in a proper business. If there's no structure and there's no goal, what are you doing? You know, you're just out there flying by the seat of your pants. So you have to have some of that structure and goals. And back to this time of year, there's a lot of realtors that I that I've in my office that I've talked to, and some of them are are pumping the brakes. The market's starting to cool down. You know, they they might not want to hire an assistant or or they, you know, might be holding back on marketing a little bit. I have the complete opposite outlook. My foot just went from on the gas to the floor, right? So now it's straight down. So onboarding that other person uh, that we talked about earlier, putting our our marketing goals even higher for next year, because this next year is going to be a test for not only real estate agents, for businesses. 2023 is going to be a tough year. I think we're going to look back at this a lot like, and I was a little bit younger at the time, so I wasn't able to take advantage of it, but you might remember, and I'm not trying to date you here, but 2000, <laughs> 2008, we look back today and say, man, I would have bought six houses in Phoenix in 2008, and they'd be worth how much money, or a house in Vegas, or you know, I would have bought the whole block in the early 2000s. I would own the whole the whole street if I could have bought that and known what we did today. And I think of it like, you know, in 10 years, we're going to look back at 2022, 2023. And what did you do to get ahead of that curve before that it started coming back up? Because we are going to have a tough time, I think, in the next uh, next year. But if you're prepared and you're able to have some cash on the sidelines um, and wait for some good opportunity, I think 2023 is going to be a really great time for some uh, some good opportunity. Absolutely. You know, um, maybe you don't know this, but my family used to have a Chinese restaurant over on Portage Avenue. And um, it's interesting, you know, the generational gap. So here's my parents, you know, we're doing okay. Um, I'm in my early 20s helping out and trying to convince them to put out coupons for, for different things. And they're like, well, why would we want to do that? Right? Everything's going great right now. And I said, but you need to spend the advertising dollars because things are good. Because think about, I love restaurant analogies. Think about a restaurant that's not doing great. The first thing that they do is not to advertise. They start cutting costs. Maybe they lay off a staff member, but then, you know, they're not advertising. So now, you know, maybe the customers are not coming in. So what do they do? They increase their prices. They decrease the sizes of the dishes, right? which then the market doesn't like. So less people start coming in. I mean, it's just almost a death knell for that restaurant if you, if you take that attitude. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, and I think that's the same attitude that I'm kind of taking now that, you know, the market's slowing down and, you know, people are, are kind of pumping the brakes. I, I, again, this isn't the time to pump the brakes. This is the time to, you know, put it down and, and, put some money forward and, and create systems. So when the market does come back and I promise you, it's going to come back. There's, it, it doesn't sit down and, and stay down here. It's going to come back and it may be a little bit different. Uh, that's just, ad- you just got to adapt and, and move forward. 
Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that industry. You talk about 2023, but uh, looking back, even the last five years, how has the industry itself changed? I think it's been more than five years, but social media obviously is a huge thing. You know, and you get lots of people. And I also think podcasts. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge podcast person. I have some uh, some friends uh, that do a lot of uh real estate business in Toronto that are huge on podcasts and they do very, very well. But the industry has changed a lot in five years, Uh, not just with pricing, but with client experiences that we kind of talked about. More people are, are educated on real estate. You know, the web is available to everyone. Everyone has it on their phone now. So, you know, you know, maybe 10 years ago, people in the younger generation were the ones that were on the, you know, techie stuff. But now you go like there's, I had a client that was 91 years old and that guy could DocuSign, AuthentiSign, text message, email with the best of us, with the best of us. And he's 91 years old. So, you know, everyone has access to the technology. So, you know, if they're not seeing their house being marketed properly, they're going to call you out on it. You know, where I think a lot of uh, realtors and so hopefully not not of the ones that have been in the real estate industry for 20 years or so, they literally just, I call it the three Ps. And there's a lot of young realtors that do it as well, is they put it on or they take pictures, put it on the MLS and then pray that it sells. And that is such an a bad model and so many people if they if if you're listening and you and you do that think about your business and if that's what you do you need to change that because that is you know that might have worked for the last two years because you know a dog could have sold a house in the last two years literally everything sold that's not the recipe for success uh, you can't just put it up on the MLS and then pray that it sells there is a lot of avenues to market a house. There's a lot of different websites. It's a lot of work because if you're carrying a lot of listings, you got to update those. Letting your clients know where you're marketing it and and showing them where you're marketing it, how many people are engaging on it, how many people have shared it, how many there's so many back-end systems that you know you could see how many people clicked on it, how many people have shared it with a family member, and share that with your clients. Let them know where you're marketing it and how many people are engaging on it. And if you do that every week, if that listing expires on you they'll most likely come back to you um, because they know that you're doing a really great job. You've followed up every Friday. You've showed them their marketing reports and they're going to come back to you and they're going to trust that you will get the job done eventually. So, and you, you don't want to put all your blood, sweat and tears in trying to sell a listing for 60 or 90 days. And then, you know, the agent, the next agent gets the price reduction and gets it sold uh, because you don't get any of that. So, yeah. Put your, yeah, put your foot forward so for those true. 90 days and, and, and if it doesn't sell, which some houses don't, that you will get that listing back. Yeah. Otherwise, everything you've invested into that client is basically gone and you've lost the client on top of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I hear you, what you're saying about changes. Um, what about technology? Has that changed in the realtor space uh, in the last five years or so? It has. There's a lot of people that, you know, Bomb Bomb has been very popular with, you know, just saying, hey, it's, you know, thank you for uh, the showing today. It was great to meet you. I hope we can work uh, together in the future and just kind of having that face to face. That's been very popular. 
Unfortunately, I haven't used it myself. You know, there's there's a lot of good CRMs out there that uh, are constantly keeping people on on drip campaigns. And you know, some of the I was just in Montana with some of the top realtors in the country uh, two weeks ago. You know, a lot of them use that drip campaign, that follow up campaign. But you know, you think we're competitive with 2,200 realtors? Go to the GTA. There's like 50,000 realtors. That's really competitive. So they always are trying to set themselves apart. But you know what? I honestly, if you go to the basics, if you just go back to simple sales and simple business, I think that can lead you to a lot of success. Communication, doing what you say and saying what you do, getting it to all the external websites that you can market at, keep it in constant communication. The basics are always going to really do well for you. Now, customer acquisition part is the part where technology is really where you really need the technology how are you getting these people to want to use you i'm still learning that to be honest i'm still learning that every day as well you know technology is always changing so would you say that uh anecdotally i mean i don't expect real stats but you know when you when you say i guess i call them like almost cold cold leads calling from the internet or, or you know versus warm referrals from your existing or current clients, what would you say the ratio is there? Well, if you'd really like to know that conversion rate of cold calls, if you're at a 5% conversion, you're doing really well. I didn't, I didn't mean literally cold calls. What I meant is somebody sees Royce Finley and Associates on social media and they call you versus, so that, that I call that a lead, right? Versus you know the last person that's super happy that you sold a house for them and they're like, oh, here's my cousin. What's what's the ratio there? Well, we're we're converting about like a sixty to sixty five percent if they're calling to to work with with someone from the team. We're probably closer to that seventy percent range. Now they're calling. Generally speaking, those people are calling three or four or five other realtors, right? So if I'm getting in the door, I'm a little confident. I uh, my conversion rates little bit higher but i also don't come into that meeting with any documentation for them to sign some agents are going to be like you're crazy you got to get out of that meeting with paper documents signed i don't walk i walk in there with my market evaluation when i'm doing a market evaluation on the house and some brochure and pen and whatever about uh about myself and the team i will never bring listing contract into that house ever there's one in my truck but I will never bring one in there. I come in there, just me, just the document. If they want to work with me, they'll come and work with me. Have I lost listings that way? 100%. Have I got a lot of listings that way? I think more so than not. Uh, because how, I don't, I don't know the last time you bought a vehicle or not, but is it not the worst when you go into any kind of sales and they're just like, so you want to buy this? And yeah. so you what want to sign these what, documents? What will you do to sign this right now? What can I do to get you not to leave? Yeah, it's all those sales, hard sales techniques. Hard sales techniques. And, and they work for some people. And that's great. And I'm not telling anyone they shouldn't do that. But again, we're back to relationship type business. And if you left that table and they're like thinking to themselves, wow, that's a great guy or gal. That's, that's worth more than any paper that you're going to push across that dining room table for them to sign they're going to leave that conversation being like that. It's a great person. Like they're 
great, they're knowledgeable, they're competent and confident, and we want to use them. And then you follow up. Maybe you send them a lottery ticket with a little note in it, $2 lottery ticket, you know, a scratch ticket saying, you know, thank you. It was great. Uh, it was great having me. Hopefully we can work together. Then follow up with them a week later. And until they tell you that they're using someone else or they're not selling till next year, write it down, put it in a note or some kind of calendar reminder to tell yourself to phone them next year or whenever that time is. Just keep following up and just having those conversations. And it's, it's sometimes it's when I follow up, sometimes it has nothing to do with listing their house. You phone them, you talk to them about what you talked about at that dining room table, which often had nothing to do with real estate, whether it was traveling, whether you both like to hike, cross-country ski, be on a motorcycle. Talk about that. They'll, they'll bring up real estate. You don't have to bring it up. They'll bring it up to you, right? No, it's, it's interesting you say that because I'm also, I mean, when I speak about property management, I, I'm not trying to go for a sale. I'm trying to see if, if it's a good fit, if I can help the client. I remember when I first got in as a realtor in 07, 08, and um, my broker at the time made me go through a bunch of these, I don't know, they were probably from like the 80s and 90s, these realtor videos. And they talked about how to do like a one visit listing appointment or something like that. Right? And that's what you're talking about. You go there, you're sitting at the kitchen table, you spread out that listing agreement, you're trying to get them to sign with pen and paper. And I mean, there is something called buyer's remorse, right? You buy a uh, a Corvette the next day, you're thinking, my goodness, what have I done? You don't want your clients to have that, right? Part of the customer journey is they want to feel great the day after they signed with you. They want it to be the best decision of their lives, right? Full confidence. So, And it takes time to do that. And if it takes two or three visits, four or five touches, those that are successful like yourself, uh, get it done. Yep. I agree. I, uh, I've never been a hard sell. and I, I've kind of implemented that with my team as well, that don't hard sell them. Be that relationship. Be their friend. Do it together. You guys are, are doing this buying or selling journey together. I'm here to help you and guide you. That's what I'm here to do, is to help and guide you, is to not make you feel pressured or to push some paper across the table and get you to sign is to just have those those relationships and they're going to go so much further because the last thing someone wants is like you said a buyer's remorse you're not going to get any referrals from those people they're you know even if you you hard sell them on an offer that's $30,000 lower they're not going to be happy with you at the end if if it's not what's best for them so as much as it's it's hard sometimes because you maybe have a lot of money invested, um, you, you got to do what's best for the client. Always, my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. But before I do, um, I ask this uh, every guest this question, and I, I'd want to hear what you have to say. So, um, this is the Win Podcast. W I N. How do you f- define success or winning? Like, what does winning look like for you? Very great question. I, I think it's an awesome question. However, what I thought was winning in my first six and a half years uh, is different from what I think today. What I thought winning in my first six years was how much money I was making, how many clients were happy. At any cost, all I wanted was my clients to be happy and me to be successful financially. 
what has changed in the last year and a half is time. Time for travel, time for my daughter, time for my family, time for my friends. That is success. You have to be able to balance both. I'm still trying to balance both and get better at it. Uh, however, I'm, I'm starting to take a little bit more trips and traveling. I'm starting to try and spend more time with my daughter, my friends, making that time because you only have one life. And I worked six and a half years every single day, day in and day night, day in and day out, married, divorced, a child with someone I'm not with anymore. There's, there's no success in working. 17 hours a day and sleep in for the other seven. It, it, it just, you know, you might have to for the first couple of years, but you have to have time for yourself. And in that, in my opinion, if you could have all of that, that is true success. I couldn't agree more. No, I, I think time and, and self, uh, self-help, you know, soul-fulfilling things is probably... I mean, I, I definitely... That resonate, resonates with me. Uh, you can't buy that, you know? Uh, it's the most important commodity we have. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree. And I'm still learning at it. I'm still learning to, to do it better. And I, and, me too, me you too. Know, <laughs> you know? And I think every business owner will always struggle with that. Um, but if you're sacrificing your health and your family and your kids and your friendships and you're 60, 65 years old, your wife's not, not super happy with you. You never see your friends. You don't travel. You can have all the money in the world, but are you happy? Are you successful? Really? Your bank account's happy. And you know, but that has, you know, yeah, that's not a measure for sure. That's not a measure. Well, uh, loved, I loved it today, Royce. I want to thank you uh, genuinely for uh, hanging out with me here. And I, I know that our, our listeners are going to have just uh, get a lot of nuggets from this conversation. So I'd like to thank you again for coming on the podcast. You're very welcome. Anytime. Maybe we'll do it again uh, in the future. Yeah, we'll do a market update. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. We'll take care. Awesome. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to Win is not only about helping you to win more, but WIN actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them. To see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to learn more. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.